thank you for tuning into the media ministry of Weston Road Pentecostal Church. We pray that you will be blessed and inspired as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.westonroadchurch.com for all the latest news and info. Well, praise the Lord. It is my humble privilege this morning to bring the word to you today. And I I pray that you're hungry for the word of God. How many of you know that you can be so full of something that you have no room for anything else, right? I I know I was at a wedding yesterday and I had a, the drive home was about an hour and 20 minutes. And I was like, I, I could not fit another, even a candy in my mouth. Uh, And I didn't even eat a lot. Maybe it was just because I wore an older suit that was a little more snug. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is that when, when it comes to the things of God, we have to make room. We have to make room to receive. So if your inner self is so full of the problems and your mind is just running and racing and you know, add sleep or sleepless nights to the equation. You can sit through a whole church service and leave the same way you came in. Why? Because you made no extra room or you didn't get rid of things in your life to make room for God to move. And so today, just envision that God has been cooking a great meal. And He's ready to feed our souls, not our stomachs, our souls And our spirit, man and woman, are we ready? Have we made room to receive and to eat of the bread of life today? Just a thought as we jump in. Make room if you haven't yet. Because I believe God wants to communicate some truths from His Word that will impact our lives in the specific area of prayer and fasting. And, And in case you weren't here the last two weeks... We're we're gearing up next Sunday to launch a week of prayer and fasting. And I know in the past we've done 21 days. I know last year we did seven. And for me, it's not about what's a trend among churches. And there are books available and how to do 21 days, how to do 40. For me, it's, Lord, what do you want us to do as a church And I I felt the Lord say seven days. Don't do it in the very beginning of the year. Because I got really excited. I'm like, January 1st is a Sunday. We can literally start the year with a fast. Because I'm like weird like that. I I get OCD about numbers and things aligning. It's like the the gas pump. It was like either it was $19.99. And you move it up to $20. Or it was, you know, like 30, 30 liters but then if I add the 20, the extra penny, then I mess up the, the leaders, you know? It's like, what do you do? And you're stuck there. So January, for some of you got that because you're like me. Others are like, I, I don't get what he just said. That's okay. It's okay. That part maybe was exclusive, and I apologize. This will all be inclusive now. And I even threw myself off. We're ta- oh, yeah, January 1st. I was so excited. And, but I thought, you know what? People are still away. Like, we want this to be an all-church fast and prayer. 
And so I, I just, it was, it was very simple. It wasn't even too spiritual. I just felt God say, then start it later when they're back. And so in the first month of this new year, starting next Sunday, we're going to head into a week of prayer and fasting. And next week, and I'm going to get to this later, but next week I talked about a commitment card. I'm going to explain it at the end of the message, but I'm not going to give it to you today. Why? Because... You're going to go home and likely throw it out, forget about it. And next Sunday when we're ready to start, and I'm going to say, so let's, we're going to take in all the commitment cards and everyone's going to be like, oh, and that's not the way we want to launch into a week of fasting and praying. So we're going to explain it clearly today, give you a week to process, and we'll even post how the, the commitment card looks so that you can ask the Lord, what do you want me to do and how do you want me to fast and pray? And then we're going to do this next Sunday. We'll hand the cards out and you're actually going to fill them out and hand them in and you'll sign them. We'll get to that in a bit. But I want to speak today a message on prayer and fasting. It's, it's nothing new. And I actually last year I preached a similar message. But I believe that it often serves as a reminder for us. And if you have your Bible, would you open it to Matthew chapter 6? And, and when you're there, or as you turn, would you stand for the reading of God's Word today? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. And we'll have it on the screen as well. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And here's what it says. And actually, if you want, you can also turn with your finger. It might be on the next page. It might be on the same page to Matthew 7. It's not far at all. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says this. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. These are Jesus' words. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. In my case, I'm already blessed. I can skip that. Wash your face. Verse 18. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father. Notice again, we've been talking about the relationship in fasting and now in, pray, in praying and now in fasting. Except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now jump to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And we've been reading this as well. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. God, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart, that we would hear what you are saying. And Lord, even in this coming week, as we ask you, Lord, 
What do you want us to do? How do you want us to consecrate ourselves during this fast? I pray that, Lord, you would give us a plan of action. And not only give us a plan, help us to execute it, I pray, for the glory of God. Lord, and also for the betterment of ourselves, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In Matthew 6, there, you can start at verse 1 if you want when you get home. But in, in verse 2, Jesus actually starts when you give. And furthermore, in verse 5, he's, he's speaking about when you pray. And he goes on. And then where we started, verse 16, and when you fast. And in, in Matthew 6, Jesus gave us specific direction on how to live as a child of God. And that pattern addressed three specific duties. We said it. Giving, praying, and fasting. And notice, he made it clear that fasting, just like giving and praying, is a normal part of Christian life. Well, how do you know? Well, he said, when you do this, and when you do that... And when you do this, and he gave instruction on it. When all three of these disciplines are at work in our lives, we release the complete power of God. Do you want the power of God in your life? You're tired of the same cycle that keeps repeating and repeating. And it's like, yes, it's a new year, but I know in just a few weeks, some of us, we're already there. It's like, it feels just like 2016. And I know God makes all things new, but it feels like the same struggle. Right? We want the power of God and we need the power of God to break it. Jesus is saying these three disciplines in your life will release the complete power of God. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast, the underlying thing in these three things it's actually not your money when you give when you're praying it's actually not the eloquence of your words when you fast it's actually not even you know how you look and how hungry you are what god is after and i've said this already god is after your heart in all of these areas when he has your heart giving is is secondary it's almost second nature when he has your heart, praying happens. It's a part of it. And when he has your heart, fasting becomes, again, it's a part of what we do. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is vital. And he was teaching his disciples this. And so Matthew 6, 1 to 18 shares these three things. And these were the most prominent practical requirements for personal piety in mainstream Judaism. These were three important things back then. But Jesus accepts them as central also to the religious life of his disciples, extending now to you and I who call ourselves Christians, right? People of the way, disciples of Jesus Christ. And so Matthew, we said this, uh, verses 2 to 4, he talks about giving. In verses 5 to 15, he talks about prayer. And there's a warning in there against mechanical praying. You know, some of us who just repeat the same thing over and over, and and we're teaching our kids, our son, especially to pray, and oftentimes it it sounds like a mechanical prayer. But am I happy he's learning to pray? Absolutely. 
but it's kind of like he even knows a song and it's it's more of a song but it's his, it's a prayer song i don't even know how it goes so i'm not going to try it and at the end of it he goes amen and it's something that he learned and so as adults we who can think you know beyond that of a child is able to we have to not just pray you know a simple mechanical prayer that we just lord bless my family bless my food amen and that's it prayer is so much more about that we talked about it last week it's it's a communication between you and god it's talking and it's listening it it's very exciting when we engage in prayer the way god intended it to to be and in in that passage on prayer that's where jesus gave the model prayer which all it is is a pattern for how we ought to pray and so today i want to focus a little less on prayer because we talked about it last week i want to spend most of our time on fasting and then preparing us for next sunday and so in verses 16 to 18 as we read he's talking about fasting the important thing to understand is he's saying don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do so yes it's a it's a corporate fast we're all aware that we're fasting but when you go to work you know oh i'm fasting with my church oh can you do you hear my stomach growling that was me guys sorry uh you know i haven't eaten now uh solids in in about 24 hours you know oh pray for me by the way if you if you're the praying kind don't make it obvious you go to work or whatever if you're a student you go to school and and you realized yes i'm sacrificing something but but there's a benefit and there are many benefits that we will gain from it and jesus is saying just don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do let's talk about the hypocrites hypocrite is one of matthew who wrote this gospel it's one of his favorite words and hypocrite in the greek means stage actor stage actor thus the pharisees that he's talking about the hypocrites in matthew 6 are merely performing for an audience and so i'll say this if you are going to participate and and our desire is to see the whole church doing this together because there's great power in unity there is thank you for the one amen can we all say that amen in unity amen there's great power and what's important to understand is we are not doing this for attention we're not doing this like the hypocrites stage actors who were doing it for an audience right if you participate guess what i'm very happy but it doesn't really change my life when i fast that changes my life when we fast together for the church that has the ability to alter our direction as a church because we want to do what god has called us to do and we need power to do that we need complete power to do that it requires giving praying and fasting as a church together and so it's important to understand listen yeah we can talk about it oh how are you doing this week and there's accountability but let's not do it so that i i want her to notice that i'm a spiritual guy and i'm fasting you know as i as i handed my pledge card i'm just going to give it a bit of an extra wave you know all the single ladies oh right and then i and i drop it in the plate you're merely a stage actor and you will be fooling yourself 
don't fast if that's your motive. Because you'll, you'll probably either A, not make it to the end of the week, or, or you're going to struggle through it all and say, eh, didn't really feel any value when I did it. Understand, God is after your heart. Let that be the motivation. And so, the definition of fasting, by the way, the hypocrites, they're doing this for attention. Jesus says, Oh, be sure of this, that that's their full reward. Like the, their reward has already been paid in full. They received attention from men. And that's, that's not what I'm after. I'm after so much more. I want attention from heaven. I want attention from heaven. And so the definition of fasting is to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink. Now, this is actually a dictionary definition. And the world understands the word fasting. That's why I'm saying don't go to work and, and tell them, oh, I'm fasting. They'll understand. There are actual, take the spiritual benefits aside. There are health benefits to fasting as well. You can Google it and read all about it if you choose to. But we're after the spiritual benefits. Amen? And so the Hebrew words for fasting, we have it on the screen, are sum, which is the verb, and som, the noun. And it's a phrase which refers to the same thing as inanapso. And that word inanapso is meaning to afflict the soul. So, and that's taken out of Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 to 31. Afflicting or to afflict the soul. Therefore, it's implying the sacrifice of personal will, which gives fasting its value. Guess what, church, friends, family? It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to be hard. It's going to come at a cost. Like, I love coffee. I'd, I, like, I can't function. I remember the first fast we did here at Weston Road, the 21-day one. That Monday morning, when I did not have my espresso, I, I think it was like, what? What? I was shaking for three days. I just wanted to talk about the first three hours of the first day. I, I, I literally, I was up for a couple of hours, and I'm like, Priscilla, I, 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 I got to go take a nap. I'm like, I don't know why, but I, I can't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I took a nap. My body calmed down, and I realized, that's the caffeine. It's crying for caffeine. I thought, wow. I, like, I didn't even know that. I love the, I just love the taste of coffee. But it's a sacrifice of my personal will, my choice. I'm laying it down for, for seven days to say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. And so you see, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. If it doesn't mean anything, this fast, what you're giving up, if what you're giving up doesn't mean anything, guess what? It won't mean much to God either. It has to be something that we value. And, and I know that we all value food. Some of you may be even thinking, it's 1136. How, how much longer is he going to go on about this? Because the roast is in the oven or like X, Y, the slow cooker's on. And when I walk into the home today, it's going to be like, ah, right? The hashtag the struggle is real. But here's, here's the thing. We're going to give as, that's why we're giving those things up, because we love it so much. And, and I want you to know, God takes notice. Your Father who sees you in heaven, what you're doing in secret, will reward you. 
he will not, I'm not going to reward you with a pat on the, yay, you made it. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to believe God for one another. But here's the thing. Your reward comes from heaven. Your reward comes from heaven. And for me, I know that God is faithful to his word. And so if he says that he's going to be the rewarder, I say, yes, Lord, thank you. I receive it. I've been reading through this book called The Spirit Helps Us Pray. And uh, it's written by Robert Brandt and Zenas Bickett. On page 230, it says this, Fasting subdues the flesh and rouses the soul's energies, brings into exercise the higher parts of man's nature. Did you get that? Fasting subdues the flesh. It quiets it down. Shh, shh, be quiet, flesh. Prayer and fasting, it goes on to say in that paragraph, when combined together, there should come a finely tuned spiritual perception and an enlarged faith as a result of prayer and fasting, when we do it together. I don't know about you, but if, if you've ever had a hard time hearing the voice of God, maybe because there's so much other noise in your life, Noise could even be social media. It doesn't have to be kids running amok around the house. It can just be social media and your nose is always stuck in your phone. And God is, you know, saying, hello, hey, remember me? We haven't talked in a while. We haven't communicated in a while. I've been trying, but you're in your own invisible square. It's invisible and it, and it blocks us from one another. And I believe that as we fast and pray in the coming week, starting next Sunday, I mean, you could start today if, if your heart is so compelled, and I bless you to do that. But when we do it, if, if you want to hear the voice of God like never before, that's another spiritual benefit. You, you're subduing the flesh. You're, you're denying the flesh. And you're feeding your spirit. Guess what happens? You begin to hear the still small voice of God speaking once again. And you know what the, the truth is, actually? God never stopped speaking. God never stopped. It's you who drifted away. Or it's you who had too much noise going on. And so maybe that's where you're at. Man, I'm praying for you next week when we start, or, or if you're compelled to start today. So will, the question I ask, will it be easy? And the church said, No. Absolutely not. If it was easy, I would question, are we really doing what the scripture says? Okay. Romans 7, 21 to 23, Paul says this. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power at work within me that is at war with my mind. And you see the reality of this, this present life is that there are always two forces at work within you. There's the flesh and the spirit. There's the flesh and the spirit. There are many examples I've given, but one of them is this. I speak, well, a little bit of Italian, but more French and English. My wife, she understands a little, but let's just say she just knows English. And I've shared this before, but maybe some of you have never heard it this way, this war about spirit and flesh. So I speak two languages. My wife speaks one. I get married to Priscilla, 
who just speaks English and I speak English and French, what happens in the home? Which language will we speak? English. What happens to the French that I had, right? Quel est votre nom? Right? We, we, we begin to lose the French accent and the words don't come to mind as quickly. And, and soon enough, it's just, it's like, no, I, I used to speak French, but I just, we're English now. We speak one language. Think about it spiritually. As a believer, I'm spirit and I'm flesh. I got the spirit of Almighty God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. But I'm also carnal in nature. We're, we all have this, we're born with a sinful nature, and it traces all the way down to Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. So you can blame Adam, don't blame God. And what happens is, if, if I'm spirit and flesh, I'm a believer, and I partner with an unbeliever who's just carnal, they don't have the, the nature of God and the spirit of God in them, what happens, right? I, again, it's like my two languages, but now I'm spirit and flesh, but I'm partnering with flesh. Which one is going to be emphasized in the relationship? The flesh. And what happens to the spirit of God that I once had in me? I'm going to say, well, I used to go to church once. I used to pray once. I used to read the word once. But now I just, I just know sin. Now I just know flesh. And you become numb to what God did once in your life. Guess what? When you give, when you pray, when you fast, you will ignite that the Spirit of God in you will begin to grow. And here's the thing. When we begin our fast, we are literally starving the flesh so that we can feed the Spirit. We are literally starving the flesh. That's why food has to be a component of fasting. Modern day fasting, I've heard like millennials, especially because social media is a real issue as well. But some, some people have just done a media fast and that's really good. I, I encourage that and it's going to be on one of our, it's on our checklist, on our commitment cards, TV and social media but a hat, food is another component, and that's where fasting finds its root in. So food has to be one of the things we fast in some way, shape, or form as the, as the Lord leads us. But the social media, I think, is just an added newer thing in, in the day and age in which we live that we would also want to consider. But no, everyone requires food to survive. We're going to dethrone King Stomach. We're going to dethrone King's stomach. Why? Because it's not about, oh man, I could really go for a burger now. It's dying to self and saying yes to God. Dying to self. So there's always this war. That's why I said it won't be easy. It won't be easy. But we're going to fight through this together. Can you say amen? Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So there's a craving that the sinful nature has inside of us. And look what we are to do. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite 
of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So why is it a struggle? Because the flesh is still alive. The flesh is still alive. And these are two forces, as it said, that are always fighting. So you can acknowledge in your own life now, the fight is real. The struggle is real. And sometimes it'll be up here in your mind. Should I go to church or should I not? That's the flesh and the spirit. It's like the little angel and then the little demon on either side. And you hear both sides and, and you kind of teeter-totter. You have to resolve and have a made-up mind. Once we start, I'm not turning back. Once I start, I'm going all the way through. It's like if you're thrown into a pool... And the only way is to swim to the other side to get out because that's where the ladder is, right? It's like, what do do I do? I'm going to take what's in front of me and push it behind me. And there's no going back. And that's how we swim to the other side. And so through this week that we're going to start next Sunday, will you feel like quitting? Absolutely. Will you feel like there's this war going on and you're going to I know by Tuesday, some of you are going to be challenged, maybe even Monday, to just, this is crazy. What did I think, what did I sign up for? Uh, I know I signed the commitment card, but who cares? I'm going to die if I don't eat, right? No, you will not die. This is just the struggle being real in your life. The fight is true. And you need to know what side of the fight you're on. Because once you know, you're not going to waver. Can somebody say amen? Okay, so this coming um, Sunday, that's why we want to deny the flesh and feed the spirit. Deny the flesh, feed the spirit. And fasting is a way to conquer the physical and open the door to the supernatural in your life. And so when you deny your body, you feed your spirit and grow closer to the Lord. See, maybe you never thought that, you know, you're like, but fasting, okay, all I want is more of Jesus fasting will draw you closer to him than ever before and faster probably than ever before it's the cry it becomes the cry of our heart and john chapter 3 verse 30 says this he must become greater and greater and i must become less and less so as you have some time to think this coming week think about that he must increase and i must decrease So let it start in this area of fasting and prayer in this new year. Imagine, what if in 2017, and I'm sure if I asked you to all raise your hands, who wants to do the will of God for your life? Who wants the will of God? You'd put your hand up really high and you'd wave it. You'd put both hands up. Start by fasting and praying. Start by saying, Lord, may you increase and may I decrease. So more of you and less of me. And that's really what we're, we're doing in its simplest form in the coming week, starting on the 22nd. There are examples of a corporate fast uh, where, like, they call the whole assembly. And I'll just give you them. You could write them down. Really, I'm giving you homework for the week. That's, that's what my goal is this morning. I'm giving you teaching on prayer and fasting so that you go home, you study this, you ask the Lord, what do I do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to fast? What do you want me to give up? And so some examples, if you want to just take notes, Jonah chapter 3 verse 5. And then in that same 
chapter, Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, also deal and speak of this corporate fast. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, and verses 7 to 10. And then Esther chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. And then Second Chronicles chapter 20. And you could read through that. But I do want to highlight one fast from Daniel chapter 10. And I'm going to read this. I don't remember if I put this on the screen or not. But Daniel chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. And this is what it says. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. This was an angel of the Lord. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Since which day? The first day. I have come in answer to your prayer. And here's verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And verse 14 says, Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. All I want to draw out from that portion of scripture is Daniel was fasting and praying for a response. He didn't hear anything for 21 days, three weeks. And when the angel came, he said, no, 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 be sure. Your prayer was heard from the first day. But he said it just took 21 days. There was a spiritual unseen battle going on where God sent an angel and he was held back. And for 21 days... It took, it, he waited and finally was able to find Daniel and give this word. And I thought, wow, some of us give up after 20 minutes of waiting after we've prayed. And so all I want to caution you is it's not your timing. God's answer to prayer is not your timing. And we've talked about this before, but it's an interesting scripture. God heard the prayer on the first day, but it actually took 21 days for the answer to come. So when we pray and fast, church, don't give up. Daniel didn't stop just because he didn't receive an answer. He continued and he believed God and finally he gets his answer. And so some of you, I believe this. It's not going to be seven days. And for some of you, maybe you will receive everything that you're asking God for. Some of you, it will not be within seven days. Do not give up fasting and praying. You might modify your fast a bit and go on with a bit of a more normal routine. But don't stop praying. Don't stop believing God. Don't stop trusting Him either. It was Wednesday on my way home from church. Uh, I received a phone call and in my car... Because I oftentimes get phone calls while I'm driving. I have like this little holder, right? I can just take my phone and I click it and it locks in. For some reason or another, I had just left church and I was on Weston Road heading south. My phone rings. It was uh, one of my friends who's in ministry. He's an evangelist and he called and I said, uh, I knew he was going to call. It was just the timing of it was, and I don't know, for some reason, instead of just accepting the call, I took the phone off the holster and I was holding it. 
And I was speaking as I was driving. Again, I was not thinking. That's why they say don't text and drive. Don't have, you know, devices in your hand. That's the whole point. So I was like, I didn't even realize what I was doing with my hand. But I was still holding it. And all of a sudden, I just see a police cop car. Like, it's next to me. And then I just see him slow down a little bit. And I thought, I looked at my hand. And it was above the window part. And I thought, oh my, what did I just do? And sure enough, he's behind me. The lights come on. And I pull over off a side street. I slow down. And already I know. uh, I read as much as I can the news. And the crackdowns, and that's all you hear about. They do stints. They have police officers sitting in buses now. So they have a better vantage point to see you in your vehicle. So if you do that, be careful. You might be next. Uh, But learn from me. Okay, that's why I'm your pastor. Learn from me. And so, um, and I'm just thinking, Lord, uh, like what a waste of money just for a moment of not thinking, right? And, um, and then I'm thinking of, great, now I have to go home. My wife's going to say, why are you late? Give her the whole, you know, rundown of what happened. And so I'm sitting there and in my head, like I didn't pray. I didn't ask God to like, oh, somehow make it be a burnt lighter. I just, I said, Lord, I didn't say Lord. I was counting the cost of the ticket, trying to estimate it. And how many demerit points. And so as this is all going on, and I'm, pulling, I'm like, okay, uh, I got to call you back, friend. And I hang up. And I'm just sitting there now. And the officer gets out. And we know what they usually do. Roll down your window. I see your license and registration looks at it and he says um you, you know why i pulled you over you you were on your phone and i i just said yeah i was i know and so he said okay i'll be back give me five minutes and so he leaves and i'm again it's like those five minutes were like the longest five minutes of my life and i'm thinking oh man how much is this gonna cost just for some stupidity of not paying attention and so he comes back I, you know, and my heart's like still up here, gives me my license back, gives me the paper. He says, have a nice day. And can you put up the picture of the paper that was handed to me? It was not a ticket. It was a napkin that said, well, have I think it was supposed to be an E. Have a nice day or have a good day. Have a great day with a smiley face. And he, I, I didn't even realize it was a napkin, so I looked down and I looked at him. I was—I don't even remember what I said. I didn't say like, "Oh, thank you." I was just like, "Oh, oh thanks." Uh, and he walked away, and it was done. And I sat there, confused, and then I got super joyful and happy. And I said, "I'm never going to put my phone there." So, I mean. Thank God, then you can clap. But I want to share with you something deeper than just uh, like I did something foolish and I got away with it. Right? Because in the end, I was, I was guilty. So listen, here's why it's important. And we're ending today with this. The next day, as I was driving to work, I had my phone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I made sure it was in the holster. But as I was driving to church, the question of why would the officer do that? 
right? It's a, it's a normal question. Why would he do that? Eunice, I'm going to ask you if you could come to the keys. Why would he do that? And as I began to drive to church and, and think about those things, like I was guilty. I deserved all the whatever maximum amount he could have charged me and asked me to pay or told me to pay. All the demerit points. Like, I was guilty. Do you understand? I was guilty of the fine and the penalty and whatever else. And as I'm driving and thinking about all that, I deserved the punishment, yet, yet the police officer extended undeserved grace and he actually pardoned my transgression. I was Transgression is breaking the law or not keeping the law. And as I thought about that, I was like, Lord, it's such a real picture of your grace in my life, in our lives. It's a real picture. But here's the thing, friends. We forget what it means when God forgives us of our sins. We, we become numb even to the blood that Jesus shed for us. And in this whole experience, like my heart was overjoyed when it was a napkin and not a ticket. And I was the happiest man alive. And I thought, but that's just a ticket. And that's a police officer. For him, it didn't cost him anything. When I think of Jesus, it cost him his life, friend. It cost him his life. And we are guilty. We fall short. We sin. And the reality is, Jesus pours out undeserved grace on us. Let that come alive in your life, afresh and anew today. It's undeserved. Why, Lord? Why me? Why us? It's undeserved. It's undeserved. But yet I'm a recipient of that kind of grace. And here's how we're going to close today. And then I need to share with you the card and our commitment and go through that. But very important. As I thought about why did he extend grace, the police officer, the only conclusion I could come to was because I was willing to be honest in the area that I was wrong in. Can you say amen? You understand? God desires repentance. Repentance means, it doesn't, what it doesn't mean is, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. Why? Because I'm going to do the same thing again tomorrow and just hope I don't get caught again. But I learned a lesson, a fresh and a new. Repentance means this is what I was doing and I repent. I'm turning 180 degrees and I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm not going to do what I used to do. I'm not going to speak how I used to speak. I repent and I turn and I go in the opposite direction. In other words, I was living for me, myself and I, but there's a greater cause now and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to choose... It's a choice to acknowledge where I'm at, what I've done wrong, because it's in that moment where grace is extended to you and to me. 
That's the message out of being pardoned of a, a ticket that I was guilty of. It's not, I didn't pay the money. I'm thankful and I thank God. But the greater picture that God showed me is this picture of grace and repentance. You want the grace of God to touch your life? Guess what? It takes willing repentance. You acknowledge where you're at and that you need His grace in your life. This morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, we're not quite finished our service, but I I cannot continue without giving you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Just like I acknowledged where I was at with the officer and I was guilty. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is between you and God. And I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. But if you're here today and you want to repent of sin and say yes to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you want His grace and forgiveness over your life, would you slip your hand up real quick. I want to pray with you. I see hands all over this place. Anyone else as we pray? I see those hands. And here's the thing. God sees your heart. You can put them down now. And we're going to pray. And here's the important thing. Acknowledge where you're at. And that's why you raised your hand because you you recognize you need a change. Now now choose to change as we pray. I'm going to pray over you, but as I pray, would you pray? I'm not going to ask you to repeat my words, but you just begin to call out on God all over this place. Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment, even though we're not quite finished, Lord. But Lord, I thank you for uh, your forgiveness. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I pray that if we've lost... Lord, an understanding of what it means. I pray that you afresh and anew would remind us of your grace. It's so amazing and it's so free. It's freely given, yet it costs you your life. And so, Lord, today as we acknowledge our sin, as we acknowledge where we're at, God, and we repent. We're not sorry of what, that we're getting caught about anything. Lord, we just simply need to change. We recognize what we're doing is is not glorifying you. And so, God, we change 180-degree direction, and we walk towards the cross, not away from it. We walk towards grace, not towards sin. And so today, God, I speak your word over your people that you sent your one and only Son because you love the world so much, and you're willing that none should perish but that all would have everlasting life. Thank you for the many hands that went up today. And Lord, as they commit their life to you now, afresh and anew, or maybe even for the first time, Lord, I pray that they would never be the same again. Lord, the old is past and everything is new in Jesus' name, because that's what you do. And so God, we thank you and we give you glory. We give you glory. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seal the work that has begun in every life. Lord, unless the devil come and snatch the seeds away. So, Holy Spirit, you're the seal. Seal the word that was given. Seal the work that is being done in every heart today, we pray. And God, we thank you in Jesus' name. There is no other name in heaven by which we will call on but the mighty name of Jesus. So church, with a great voice, would you just say, in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Hearts are being restored. Lives are being transformed in Jesus' name. And so here's how we're going to end. We, uh, If you can put up the picture of the card. Just about five more minutes of your time because this is your homework. You're not going to receive it today. You're going to receive it next week. That's the card. Go to the next page. The, the next slide. So here's what we're going to be. You're, you're going to go home. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to post this on Facebook, on our church Facebook page. Go on Facebook, type Weston Road Pentecostal Church. You're going to find us. I'm going to try to do it right after the service. We'll also send out an e-blast. So you, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, you'll get one this week. And this is what we want you to consider. First one, yes, with God's help, I pledge to... So check off the first one because that's your yes. And now here's what we're pledging to. Number one, read the Bible daily for seven days. Why? Well, you're not eating physical, literal meat on a plate. You need the meat of God's Word, which is your daily bread. That's why reading the Scripture is important. So read the Bible daily. The next one you could check off is memorize seven Scriptures. Challenge yourself challenge yourself. Maybe you just want to do one. That's fine, but commit to something and get the Word of God in you. And then here's the fasting part. So I commit to fasting, and then here are some options that we are giving you to help you break it up in different ways. Fast, the first one, fast solid foods for seven days, drinking a liquid supplement of my choice. Some of you say, you know what, no food, just just liquid. And I'm going all in with God. That's your choice. So that's number one. Number two, fast, as Daniel the prophet did, for seven days, eating only vegetables and liquids. Then the next one is to fast lunch for seven days, drinking a liquid supplement of my choice. Fast only dinner for seven days, drinking a liquid supplement of my choice. Fast seven days from television and social media. So what I want to remind you of is make sure food is one of them in some way shape or form and then this last option I think if you want something above and beyond start with that start with television and social media why because that adds to the noise and the distraction and so for me I'm gonna do my part some some of the work I do for the church uh, you know, getting information, updates uh, will require some Facebook or Instagram or things like that. But but for pleasure, where you spend half an hour and an hour, I, I'm saying no to that for myself. Just uh, if you need something to kind of understand and base it off of. And then next, I will share my faith with a co-worker. Some of you might feel compelled. That's why you're going to take this for a week. Ask the Lord, what can I do and how do you want me to go about this week that is ahead of us, that's coming? I will share my faith with the coworker. I will invite one person to attend Weston Road. Commit. Try it. Invite someone. Bring them to church. And then other. My seven-day spiritual challenge is to, and then you fill in the blank, whatever God is leading you to do. And then here's something else. I commit to daily prayer. And this is your commitment card, so it's addressed to me. Pastor John, with God's help, 
I promise to pray at least 15 minutes each day, specifically now for revival in our church and in our country. Revival in our church and in our country. Remember, I'm believing and asking God for 350 souls to fill this place. I have other prayer requests that I'm bringing before the Lord for our church. But, but you pray for your personal needs. But when you pray and, and pray for the church and think of the church, I'm asking if you would commit 15 minutes to pray with me for revival in our church and in our country. And then at the end of the service next Sunday, we'll sign this and hand them in as our commitment, not just to one another, to the church, but to God. That's the most important commitment is to God because we're doing it all for Him. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet? There's one, one more thing I want to say. On the left side, all we're asking is your name and your email. And if you provide your email, there's a checkbox that says, please send me email devotionals during the fast. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to plan seven days of emails that will start... Um, on the Sunday and we'll end on the following Sunday. So if you want to receive that, we'll create an email list and every morning in your inbox, you can start your day. I'll make sure I auto set it to 5 a.m. Some of you might wake up earlier, but 5 a.m. it'll be there. And then you can start your day with an encouraging word from the church and uh, it'll set the course for the rest of your day. So let's pray. And, and as we do, you take this before the Lord and you say, Lord, what do you want us to do? If you're a husband and a wife, you might want to consider praying together and saying, Lord, what do you want us to do for our family? And if you have children that are old enough to participate, you might want to bring them and make this a, an actual family thing where you pray and ask the Lord together, what do you want us to do, God, as a family in this fasting and praying? And I'm sure all the parents are like, yes, social media fast, absolutely, right? But let's ask God. And I, I'm going to close this out in prayer and pray a blessing on you. Father, we thank you today. Lord, I thank you for the time of prayer we had here at the altar during worship. Thank you, Lord, that you, you put a prompt in my spirit to do that. And we were able to pray for the needs of many. Thank you, Lord, even for those who lifted up their hands to say yes to you, Jesus, today. God, we rejoice with heaven today for those souls that have decided to say yes to Jesus. And now, Father, as we uh, go home, maybe individually, but also maybe with a spouse or a family around a table, and, and we ask you, Lord, what would you want us to do? I pray that you would speak. Lord, give us a clear plan for our seven days of fasting. And Lord, not only that, I pray for mighty breakthrough in our church, Lord, not just our church, but every individual and every family, God, breakthrough. Lord, I pray that where, where we've seen a wall in front, Lord, that we would just see the wall come tumbling down in Jesus' name. And so, God, I thank you once again for our church. I thank you, and I truly believe this, that the best days are still ahead of us. And God, we need you in order to see, Lord, the dreams come to pass that you've given us. And so, God, we thank you for this uh, coming week as you speak to our hearts. And next Sunday, as we embark on this fast together to seek the Lord while he may still be found. And so, God, we thank you in advance for the great and mighty things that you will do. 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Three nights of prayer, not this week, but the next during our fasting and prayer. Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, here at the church, 7.30. This Thursday, we have prayer as well, 7.30. We invite you to come. Prayer is every Thursday night especially. Make sure to that. And then also during the fasting and prayer week, we will start with Kids Club downstairs. So if, if you say, well, I want to come, but what about my kids? On the Friday only, we will have that available and starting up on that day. So God bless you, church. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.